At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, I pray that these won't just be lyrics on the screen. They will be our heart's cry and our desire to want nothing else but you. Thank you for being the only God that make yourself available to your people and that you choose to dwell with us. Thank you for your presence that's feeling this place right now. We thank you right now. For your warm embrace, we thank you for your presence, your love, your kindness, all of that that's wrapped up in your warm embrace. Holy and heavenly Father, we thank you for that right now. Father, we pray that you will continuously be with us as we break bread together through your living word. Father, will you feel us more and more with your presence through your very alive word. Father, would you remove me out of the way so therefore we can hear what it is that you have for us, your children, today. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the honor and glory to you and you alone, which is due. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You guys can take your seats. Thank you, worship team. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Denzel. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, we'd like to meet you. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for this opportunity. If you are in kids' ministry, you can head on out. Uh, to class. For everyone else, we, as you know, are continuing in our series, New-ish. Everything has changed, have you? And we are in part six of this series, and today we're talking about something that I am very unqualified to preach about, marriage. <laughs> very unqualified for this. Uh, me and my wife, Kaylee, will be celebrating our second anniversary in just three weeks. Yes. You guys aren't cheering for us. You're cheering for her because she needs God's grace, mercy, and all of that as she has to deal with me on a daily basis. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Speaking of marriage, as you know, like I said, we are talking about marriage and for me, I love the fact that I'm married. I'm so excited that I'm married. It's nothing I shy away from. Uh, I sh run towards it. I love to talk about my wife and hype her up. Some would tell you you should never talk about your wife from stage, but that's okay. We're going to turn all of that away from anybody who's a preaching scholar, if you will, on what to do and not to do. Because I think it's important to take you on a journey on where I once was, and if you are married, it's where you once was as well. For my wife and I, for any of you who are considering marriage, you know that one of the most pivotal and key moments of your marriage is going to be premarital counseling. Can I get an amen? amen? It is an opportunity for you to dive deep in ways that you have never dived deep before within the context of your relationship. And for Kaylee and I, I love the fact that we had this couple who, who just challenged us in ways like never before. And one of those challenges was to take 
a, a test. We couldn't take this test together. We couldn't uh, cheat off of each other. We had to do it, not at the same time, but separate from each other, not comparing notes or anything so we can get down to the nitty-gritty. And one of these things or some of these things that this test revealed to my wife and I was that we talked about certain things and certain things we didn't talk about, things we had uh, different opinions on or things that we had common ground with. And it was an interesting test and, test and study for us, and it was exciting. But all the more, it draws out this one thing that you do or you maybe don't know. And if you're married, you know where I'm going with this. When you're preparing for marriage, you realize that there is a lot of things in your life that is going to have to change. Can I get an amen? amen. For me, it was me being trifling. Amen. Many guys in here can share in the same story. We kind of are pigs, all right? Yeah, let's just talk about it, right? We're messy. We leave things around, and if you guys are praying for me, please do, because I, I might keep my house clean. My wife can tell you this. I, and this was not me growing up. My parents used to hound me about keeping my room clean and all of these different things. And so I might keep the house clean these days. We keep things tidy a bit. But when you look at my car, you would never think my house was clean. I'm just saying I'll put that out there. So pray for me because I need some redemption a little bit. But this idea of marriage and what it takes to be married forces you to come to the realization is that you were living a life and now everything is getting ready to change. And everything of your former life, of your single life, now has to shift perspective and habits now have to change because you're getting married. For me, it was cleaning. I knew, and maybe a little of it was my pride, like I don't want this girl to think I'm really trifling, when deep down inside, I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I had a pile of clothes over here and the pile of clothes on top, you know, that thing you wore for like two days and you put it over here, I'm going to wear it again kind of thing. I was that kind of guy, right? Like, leave the snacks on the side of the bed. Like, that was me, right? In my nature. But I didn't want that for my marriage. So I decided I had to change certain habits. Maybe for you it's not cleaning. Maybe for you it's financial. Maybe it's this or that. Whatever the case may be, you have a single perspective as one. But when you become a union, everything changes. Your relationship changes. The way you think changes. The dynamic of everything of your life changes. But after marrying Kaylee, I changed just a little bit. Amen. <laughs> and that little bit is the perspective of it's not easy changing. It takes a journey. It takes a process. It's not going to happen the moment you say, I do in your life, and everything just becomes this normal. You're a perfect wife. You're a perfect husband. No, sometimes I don't always clean. Sometimes I don't always get it right. But I want you to know here today is that I'm trying. But the beautiful thing about that trying is me realizing I'm in a new season of life. I'm in a new relationship in life. And my habits have to change. My thoughts and my actions have to change. The gospel of Jesus invites us into an entirely new life, church. The moment we put our faith, our hope, and our trust in Jesus and in him alone, our entire life changes. And with that relationship with Jesus, when you publicly profess and proclaim with your mouth 
and uh, that he died and was raised from the dead. And then you go down in baptism. When you do all of those proclamations and do those things, your life now needs to resemble the new life you have in Christ. And God invites us into this new life through the sending of his son and the shed blood of the cross. This simply means we have to have a new way of living. When we come to Christ, the process of letting go of our old life and our former thoughts, our former habits, it's hard. But you still stay at it and you keep striving for it. Once again, this series is called New-ish, Everything Has Changed, Have You? So with that perspective of your relationship with Jesus, the question is now, are you changing for the better? One of Paul's implications here is that he's unpacking this idea of what it means to be bought and purchased from the law into the righteousness of God and the freedom from slavery and sin and bondage, guilt and shame. And everything has changed is the reality which Paul is trying to get us to understand. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been studying and realizing that we have a master. And at one point in time, we all was a master or a slave to sin, shame, guilt, and the grave. And now that we have found in Jesus, for those of us who have put our faith, hope, and trust in him, we are now his and we have a new master. And all of this freedom, this the things that we experience with this life in Jesus all comes because of our union with him. And Paul is letting us know through this union about a relationship. It's all based out of a relationship. And if you have put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, our big idea is this today. Belonging to Christ leads us to bear fruit in Christ. Belonging to Christ leads us to bear fruit in Christ. Paul lays out this reality for us through the text that hopefully by God's grace we will be able to see three things today that he's drawing for us to realize. And the first thing is this, belonging to Christ releases us from the law. Belonging to Christ releases us from the law. Where in Romans chapter 7 this morning verses 1 through uh, 6 and verses 1 through 4 says this, belonging to Christ releases us from the law, Point uh, uh, verse number 1. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, and if she marries another man, is not an adulteress. Verse number four, likewise, my brother, you also have, have died to the law through the body of Christ. Paul is bringing this out, and through this point of this section of uh, uh, scripture, he's continuously moving us towards this idea and unpacking unpacking things from uh, chapter six now into chapter seven that we are still living. Uh, in the habits of our old lives. And he's, he's preaching to a people here in this context of the old Jewish laws, if you will. 
He's, he's, instead of Paul jumping right in saying, hey, you're found in Christ, he hits us, with, hit the nail on the coffin with this idea of marriage and this idea of a relationship. You see, back then in the Old Testament, the law and the Jewish law and the Jewish customs in the Old Testament, they had to do all of these different things, and they are living in that same lens. And so Paul steps in, and Paul lets them know, hey, you don't have to do that anymore. But instead of just doing that, he drives it home, and he says, it's like being in a relationship and the, the context we see comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 24 of what an actual marriage is and he's letting us know if you are married and you step out on your wife or husband if you will you're considered an adulterer but if your husband or your wife dies you're free from that bond of marriage it's common in our day and age to see people cheat isn't it is that something we cling to or we're proud of? Absolutely not. And Paul's driving this idea out for us to realize that in our culture today, when we see that, you and I would instantly, if we knew a friend or knew someone who was stepping out on their spouse, who was unfaithful, maybe in action or emotion, whatever the cheating scale may be for them, you and I would be utterly disgusted if we knew someone who did that. Can I get an amen? This is because our culture celebrates a, a, a commitment, if you will. We celebrate commitment, and what is marriage? Marriage is a lifelong commitment. I know some of you, maybe just like me, when I found out I was getting married, yeah, you heard that, when I found out I was getting married, it shocked me, a lifelong commitment. I tell you now, we're approaching two years here soon, but it scares me to think about 10 years. It really does. It's not something that I'm like, I'm not going to shy away from. It scares me to think about that, but that is the commitment I signed up for. It's a lifelong relationship. And so Paul is bringing this out to us in, for, in order for us to realize this, this context. And he goes this route because in this day and age, Jews had everything to cling to to the law. It was in their identity. It was in their ethics. It was in their habits. It was in everything that they did. They cling to this, although Jesus had already come. So he's getting them to already, uh, to, to step forward and realize, hey, you have to release the stuff you've already been released from. You got to stop holding on to the things that Jesus has already come and freed you from. And so this comes through this idea of law and the death. And this is why it says in the text, if a woman is freed through death of her husband, she's no longer bound to that law of marriage. This is so essential for Paul's letter and what he's driving home is a relationship and if you and I have put our faith hope and trust in Jesus here today church we then know that death changes everything the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed us all the while and forever more Romans 6 4 through 5 says this and if we died then we are no longer bound to the law and just like a marriage if one has passed on they are no longer bound to the law of marriage but that is the same concept of Jesus when you put your faith hope and trust in him and you profess that he is your Lord and your Savior you are now released from the law of sin guilt shame and hell and the grave and now you are freely able to walk into the freedom that we now have, the, 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 the righteousness that we now have in this new life that we now have in Christ. 
But church, if this is true and we do embrace the new life in Christ, we must first recognize that we have been cut off from our old life. It's not just embracing mentally like Jesus has saved me, let me run after that. No, it's also chasing after that while letting go of your past. It's this idea of being freed from something and walking fully in the life thereof. Point number two is this. It says, belonging to Christ weds us to him. Belonging to Christ weds us to him. Romans chapter 7 Verses 4b says, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. This is the driving point for Paul. Paul is continuously articulating this point, and the purpose is not that we've just been saved, but we've been saved for a purpose. He's trying to get us to understand that, hey, you've been freed from this, but here's the reason why. And it's that we're not just free to say, hey, I'm not going to hell anymore. Can I get an amen? Some people think because they put their faith, hope, and trust, that just frees them from Jesus. I mean, frees them from hell. But the real concept is when you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, you now need to understand that you belong to the one who freed you. It's now being owned by the one who freed you from death, hell, and the grave. It's not just walking in freedom like, yeah, I'm free. No, it's saying, hey, thank you. I'm indebted to you, and I want to live forevermore with you. And this new life that you've given me, this new concept of this righteousness that I have, and all of this through a debt that I could not pay, so now I'm indebted to you. But it's not just the indebted, it's not just being indebted for just the sake of, hey, let me pay you back. No, it's realizing that you and I have nothing to, 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 to offer. We have nothing. We have absolutely nothing to offer to the one who gave us this free life. So why not realize that you're wedded to him? Why not realize that when he freed you and you put your faith, hope, and trust in him, you now need to resemble this life that is given to you through Jesus and his blood on the cross. Paul is driving this point, and it's this, is salvation is find, found in Christ alone and in our union with him. It's found nowhere else but in the union of Christ. And for Paul, the hope of salvation ultimately lies in the resurrection of Jesus in church. If we then believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead and we believe that at our core and we put our faith, hope, and trust in him, hallelujah, that we are too freed and raised to life again. Romans 6, 4 says this, we were buried, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. How many of you are thankful that we have that opportunity to put our faith, hope, and trust? Come on, if you believe that. This is Paul's driving point, church, that if we believe that, then we are truly new creation. We are truly free. Church, if we're in him and we call him our Lord and Savior, it ultimately means that we are now called to this new life. It's not just a concept. It's not just the Lord, forgive me of my sins, but it is an action step that comes with that of a new life. 
It's like being married. For me, it's the habits that I've used to have. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have bad habits. Again, I told you, I'm very unqualified to talk about a fruitful marriage because I haven't been married long. And maybe some of you feel like you have it all together. Praise God. Come grab the mic right now, okay? But it's this idea of realizing that even though I'm in this new life, I'm walking in a marital life. I'm walking in a marital status. I like to think of it like this, that even when I try to pretend, not that I do, just follow me here. Child, bless your heart. Amen. Even if I wanted to say that I wasn't married, not that I do, follow me here. I could take my wedding ring off right now. And you know what's here? This ridiculous tan line. So even if I tried to pretend this tan line now owns my finger in such a way that's, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but you follow my drift? This new concept is that you fully walk into this new life. You fully embrace this new life and everything that you do. And you don't put off one or another. You just freely walk into it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 tells us what marriage truly means. And this idea that it comes from, it says this, A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The word we translate here is hold fast, which translates and carries out the, the joining word of joining together and clinging or connecting. You see, when you get married, you are now connected forevermore with someone else. That is your spouse. That is who you decided to, to, to spend the rest of your life with. The reality of that is this is that your former family, your mother, your father, the text says that you leave your mother and your father. The reality comes that, that your former family is not your number one priority. Your new family is. So for Kaylee and I, when we decided to, to, to be one and to join together in front of our family, friends, and a host of witnesses, we decided that moment forward that we will not prioritize the right family or, or the, the Cameron family, but we would prioritize our house for who we are, if you will. It's not going back and forth in the concept. This is an interesting concept because could you imagine if somebody got married and they went down the lines and, hey, they got married, they do the whole thing. Maybe it's a traditional, maybe it's in a church chapel or whatever you may please. But then the very next day they decide that was fun, but I'm going to live back at home with my mama. You go live over there. I'm going to go live in the room that I grew up in, my childhood bedroom. Because you know what? Mama's cooking is so good. I'm just, I'm just not going to let that go. So you, you go do you, and I'm going to go and spend my life with my family. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? You, 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 you're basically saying the thing you just stepped into, your union that you just pressed into and admitted before a host of people and witnesses and before God the Father, that, that doesn't mean anything. You're still going to hold on to this. I was just recently at a wedding and, and the bride didn't even take the groom's last name. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people can do this for financial purposes, business purposes, whatever you so will. 
But to me, when I seen that and was studying for this, it made me instantly think of what Paul was trying to draw out. You can't publicly profess something while still holding on to your past. And in that moment, maybe I don't know their situation and why they did it, but this wife was literally holding on to her past, not stepping into this newness and this relationship that she has. Church, when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, we are forever changed. And it comes to this death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we simply believe that, if we believe that that happened, if we believe he ushers us into this new life, church, then we simply can be free. But it's moving forward all the while, not holding on to the things of this world. Point number three, belonging to Christ empowers a new way to serve. Romans chapter 7 verse number 4c says this, so that we may bear fruit of God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Paul is writing this for us to understand that we've been freed for a purpose, church. We've been free to walk in the spirit of God like no other with boldness and rejoicing and realizing that we were bound to sin, death, hell, and the grave. But God sent his son Jesus to die for us that you and I may walk into this newness of life and do it freely. We can walk by the Spirit with joy. We don't have to be bogged down of these things. We can fully embrace our new identity in Christ and be free of these old things. And this is happening, and he's letting us know that apart from this, it's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because the Bible tells us in Romans that for the wages of sin is death. See, apart from him, church, we don't win. Apart from him, there is no new life. Apart from him, we have absolutely nothing. And Paul once again reminds us that now we are released from the law and we have new life. And because of that, we are alive. But if you choose not to be, that's up to you today. Because Jesus is giving you the ultimate way out. There's freedom, there's new life. In Christ and he's simply letting us know that we can walk by this spirit and do it boldly why because in the Old Testament there was a day and age where the Spirit of God would reach certain people and only for a set time maybe because of what they did maybe because of their faithfulness or their righteousness and then that spirit that time would pass by and then they would have to hold on to faith a little bit longer but the unique thing we see in the Old Testament is this. It happened to individual people. Not everybody in the Old Testament was walking in this. Not everybody in, this, in the Old Testament had that, 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 that chance with God. 
like many. We think of Moses. We think of the prophets. We think of all these people who had that godly encounter where they, for a season of their life, was walking and hearing and moving and being led by the Spirit. Church, this is what it simply means to serve and understand that we have a new way of doing it. You see, when you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, you now have the Spirit of God moving within you. That Spirit should now draw you to live and now bear fruit that represents Christ and Christ alone. Why? Because we have an opportunity that many didn't have in the Old Testament. And that is the powerful, living, alive, and dwelling Word of God and Spirit of God now living within us. Everywhere we go, the Spirit is within us. And I would like to take it a step further that if the Spirit is living within you, it should compel you to realize that you're walking in the newness of a new life. And you don't have to hold on to the past. You can realize you've been free from the law. You've been free from sin. You've been free from death, hell, and the grave. And you can freely embrace that. You can live with the Spirit of God like, like no other. A famous commentary said this. There was a woman who was in a deep, entrenched relationship with her significant other. Every day, her significant other would write out a list. When I get home, I want this list to be completed. Let's just say there was 10 things on the list every single day. And no matter what was on the list, take out the trash, keep up with the garden, watch the kids, clean the dishes, do the laundry, this, that, whatever, if she even missed one step, he would never acknowledge the good. He would always diminish her and make her feel like that one misstep ruined everything. This happened time after time after time after time. She found herself realizing that she would never live up to his standards. She could never live up to uh, accomplishing the things he had set before her, even if, even if they're repetitive tasks and things to do. She always fell short, and he made her know it. He brought it to her realization that, uh, uh, yeah, that's, you messed up. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Well, one day she decided no, no, enough was enough. She had worth in herself to walk away. Years down the line, she realizes that she wants to be loved again, and she wants to reciprocate that love of someone loving her to someone else. So she finds herself in another relationship, and then she gets married. This new husband, this new relationship was one of that where she never was given a task list. She was never told what to do. She was never put down upon or diminished or talked down to. In fact, he loved her so well, he embraced her so well for where she was at and that maybe they had some disagreements, but they, they met in the middle and they accommodated each other left and right. They, they, they were there for each other. He, he loved her for where she was at. She loved him for where she was at. But the issue was she found herself one day 
stumbling upon one of those old letters. And that old letter that she found was one of her former relationships. She's weeping and she's watching the tears fall down her face onto the paper and she's realizing that her husband don't require those things of her old relationship. She's confused. She don't understand. She's realizing also that she's still trying to accomplish the old list, the old task through a new relationship. Church, this is us. This is us when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. We feel as if though there's still things that we have to do that we have to accomplish, that we have to make right so we can be found, seen, or loved by God. Church, God loves you for who you are. And when you fully embrace his son Jesus and what he has done on the cross for you, you can fully step into the newness of life, not holding on, not looking back. This is what this woman did. She found herself weeping over something that was old, that she's been purchased from, as she was freed from. And all she had to do instead of realizing she's not enough, instead of realizing that she would never measure up, she just had to walk into the embracing love of her husband, that he doesn't require those things. He would never. He loves her where she's at, and they have a great union. Church, I urge you today. Stop trying to fulfill to-do lists of cleaning your life. Stop trying to figure things out on your own without the Spirit of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit because you're always going to fall short. All you and I are called to do is walk in this newness of life and fully embrace the righteousness of God and realize that we've been bought on purpose and we've been purchased for a reason that reason is to spend eternity with God the Father forevermore not holding on to the things of of this world and the things that are fleeting but we can freely run after him realizing that the justification of the cross is enough that he did it for a reason and that reason was that we can live with God forevermore that now lives within each and every one of us should compel us to live out in a way that we don't resemble anything of our past but that we can fully embrace the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. May it be so. Let us pray. Dear Holy and Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can walk by the Spirit. Father, I, I pray for anyone here that is struggling what it means to, with the concept of what it means to walk by the Spirit. Maybe today you're struggling with, am I filled with the Spirit? Am I walking in the flesh or walking in the, the life of the Old Testament and of the law? Maybe you're there today. Father, I pray that you would free us right now. Father, I pray that we would realize that you freed us 2,000 years ago of the sending of your son, Jesus, 
And all we have to do is fully embrace and walk into this newness of life led by the Spirit of God. Not looking back, not holding on to, but fully letting go of our past and embracing our future. A future that is so bright, a future that is eternal life with God. God, I pray that this would be us, your people. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that doesn't know that freedom, that is struggling with that concept, would they find new life in you today, Christ Jesus? Would they walk in it, would they embrace it, and would they realize they can let go of the to-do list, the laws and the things of this world or the Old Testament and the law, the Jewish law, Father, will we walk into the newness of life in Christ Jesus? Father, would we do it freely, all the while not living for you out of ob obligation, but out of obedience and out of a joyful and cheerful heart, realizing that you did something, you freed us from something that we could never free ourselves from. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for being the most high that we can lift up that we can lift up the name of Jesus because it is the greatest name of all names not just the name but it's the name of a man who came to free us from the law to free us from sin death hell and the grave father I pray as we walk into this newness of life we would freely do it while rejoicing as we stand to our feet and sing this last song and lift your name on high, Father, I pray we would do it with glad hearts and, Father, with the remembrance of our salvation today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory and honor to you and you alone, which is due Christ Jesus. Church, if you believe that, go ahead and put your hands together. Shout amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.